All right, you all may be seated. Come on up. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So we have had a wonderful summer here at Laurel Hill. Uh, you've had lots of opportunities to hear different missionaries, and uh, we've had to be gone some, and that's been a blessing to you. So um, some of you caught that. Okay, thanks. Good. Okay, I wonder if you're going to catch that. Anyway, so today is no less exciting. We have uh, three people who have been a part of our church for a while, two of, who, of which who have been a part of it from, how old were you girls? Six. Okay, and now they are looking at going to medical school next year, already finishing up their undergraduate studies. And Brendan is, how old are you, Brendan? Sixteen. And so uh, today is a real blessed day because the girls are going to come and share with us about their trip to Ecuador. And then uh, Brendan's going to come and he's going to preach for us. And uh, the reason I wanted to do this was really for two reasons. One is because as every church has its own personality, and some of you heard me say this earlier, but as every church kind of takes on its own personality, one of the things that we have really uh, strived for over the years is to be a real family. And in a family, we want to know what's going on with everybody's life, right? And we become a part of that. And so as the girls have gone to do what they did, and as Brendan came and said, I want to share a message, uh, I wanted to give them that opportunity. And so this will kind of finish our summer out for us, and then we're going to dive into Matthew, and we'll be on that for a long time. I only have to be gone one more time this summer, actually into September, and then we're going to be uh, really going through uh, the book there, uh, Matthew. So anyway, this morning... I uh, wanted them to come, and so the girls are going to come first. And let me give you a couple of announcements so I don't want to forget about this. The girls are going to come after I mention the announcements here, and you're wondering why am I using the phone. I'm not trying to be just really youthful. Uh, I'm, <laughs> my printer wasn't working, <laughs> and so I've got some announcements here, But and then we'll have the girls come up, and then Brendan's going to come up. Uh, September 8th, not this Wednesday night, but next Wednesday night, our Awana starts, and also our Disciples in Action classes for the fall. Many of you have been a part of the summer class, and thank you to Rick Haggard for leading that, facilitating that. We're going to be starting. I'll let you know what the subject's going to be. I'm still praying about what uh, to do, but uh, what I did want to announce was that we're going to have dinners again. And so those of you who want to join us at 5.30 for dinner, you're more than welcome. We have someone in the church who's volunteered to do those for us, and that's a huge blessing. Uh, that doesn't mean if you want to help that you're not able to help, or you can't help. If you do want to help, please let us know, okay? But we do have somebody who's going to be putting those together for us. This is going to be sandwiches of sorts with meats and the various condiments and whatnot, cookies, peanut butter and jelly, allergens will be taken care of for you, gluten-free, all that stuff will be available uh, but we do need to know if you're planning to come on Wednesday night at 5.30, September the 8th, okay, uh, so that we can have a good idea of how much food we'll need to get for that. So please let us know. Don't, don't forget to do so. Matthew notebooks are here. If you wanted one of those just to take notes in, uh, please let me know afterwards, and we'll take care of that. Uh, elders, don't forget about our meeting Wednesday night uh, of this week coming up, okay? All right, so... Uh, Ladies, won't you come, and uh, we'll share. I'm going to have a prayer for us, and then uh, you guys pick up. We have a wonderful, wonderful time. They started this morning, and there's just a lot to share. And so um, we wanted them to go back and pick up, for your sakes, where they had been in the first service, and then we'll all catch up with the latter part of it, okay? So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time, and we just uh, enjoy uh, the family of God. Thank you, Lord, that we can take time in a moment like this to let a young man preach and let uh, godly ladies share in the trip that they went on to not only learn more about the medical profession, but also uh, to share your love and to do your work. What better scenario could there be? And so, Lord, we give of this time to you in honor of you because you are our creator, you're our God, our Father, and you are our Savior. And so we worship you. Thank you for giving us this privilege this morning. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, everyone. Um, for those of you who don't know, my name is Christy, and this is Allie. Uh, and like Pastor Bruce said, we've grown up here for um, quite a while. In the first service, we accidentally went over, so I guess we also learned how to speak really long, too, uh, while we were here. So we'll try to cut it down a little bit. 
Um, but just to kind of give you an overview, um, we were able to live in Ecuador for two months this past summer. We were able to have this opportunity through our university, um, Liberty University. We were able to partner with an organization in Ecuador called Living and Learning International. They also have other um, many organizations that are underneath them that we had different students working at. Um, so just kind of an overview of kind of where we're going to go. We're going to start off with just entering Ecuador, um, kind of what we did, what that was like. Then we're going to talk a little bit about our volunteer time in the hospital, um, talk some about our host families, each of our host families, then go into where we volunteered at um, a Christian private school um, in the jungle and talk a little bit about that and then leaving Ecuador and kind of what we learned from the whole trip. So entering Ecuador, um, this is a view of the city. It was a beautiful city. Quito, Ecuador is the capital of Ecuador. Um, we're actually at 10,000 feet in altitude, so um, it was pretty high. We had to learn how to get over the um, altitude sickness and things. It was also cooler weather, um, about 60, so they kind of have eternal spring there since you're so high up. Um, we're kind of placed in the middle of a valley with mountains and volcanoes all around us, so it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, we, we really loved Quito, Ecuador. Um, this is just one of the angels, the Panecillo, that's overlooking the city. Um, they believe that she kind of protects them, um, even though it does reference um, the angel from Revelation. Um, not everyone there, of course, believes in the Bible, but they still see it as kind of a protection over the city. Um, it was always raining there, so we always had our umbrellas and rain jackets because you never knew when it was going to rain. But this was another view of the city from up top of the Panecillo. Um, here's a little uh, picture of our group. So we actually had about 60 students in total that went on this trip from Liberty University, and then there was actually about 10 from other universities around the U.S. Um, but when it came to the hospital volunteer that we did, um, there was 22 of us. So um, it was a pretty large group. We were spread all throughout Quito. Um, our group, we worked at um, a hospital in the area about 20 minutes away from most of our host families. Um, and then there were other students working in the um, schools, teaching English as a second language. Um, some students were working with um, some of the other mission organizations that Living and Learning partners with, um, such as um, a teen um, pregnancy home to kind of help um, those women. There was a house where they took in boys from the street um, and gave them education and a place to live. Um, and so there was a couple of different options that students had. Um, here's just another pretty um, picture of one of the churches there that we were able to um, visit as we were learning the culture and learning the city. Um, we wanted to get to know kind of also the history behind everything too. Um, we were able to go to the equator because you can't go to Ecuador without going to the equator. Um, so this is where we were in the center of the earth. We also got to um, zip line through the jungle um, and just see the beautiful creation there. We'd be like hundreds of feet up off the ground, even above like the tree level. It's pretty cool. And then this is a picture of about half of our group. So for all the excursions, they had to split us up into two groups since we were so big. So this is about 30 of us um, on one of the weekend trips that we did uh, out and about. So it was, we had a pretty pretty large presence there in Ecuador. We definitely, everyone kind of saw us coming. <laughs> um, so kind of to get into our volunteer opportunity at the hospital, this was a very unique opportunity because the San Francisco um, Hospital was actually a government-run hospital, so the way their Social Security works is when you start working, you can get Social Security, and then you can go to these hospitals, and it doesn't cost. Um, so, which is a great opportunity for those who might not be able to afford it, but it does mean that this hospital might not have all of the resources, the technology that we often have here. Um, I was in the neonatal unit, and for example, I had one of um, the babies there go into tachycardia, um, so their heart rate skyrocketed. It was um, in the 300s, and normally, like the U.S. has a certain medication that's our preferred medication, but they didn't have that there. So they were actually having to go to, I think, like the third preferred medication because they just don't always have all of the resources that we might have um, or all the staff in order to, like we have here. Um, so Allie's gonna talk a little bit about her time. Yeah, so while I was in the hospital, I was um, stationed in the wounds clinic. Um, so there were kind of two parts to that. Um, 
down in the clinic side of things, um, the nurses and I kind of worked on um, cases such as um, abscesses, ulcers, diabetic um, wounds, um, infected stitches, um, cases like that, and we mainly cleaned and rebandaged. Um, and then when I was working with the doctors, we were up in a consultation room, and that was normally more serious cases, uh, so motorcycle accidents, um, machine um, malfunction accidents um, that occurred, and, and in some cases, those accidents were serious enough that surgery was needed, and so I, was, I would be able to um, scrub in with them and uh, definitely still just shadow. I was, unable I was able to help some in the clinic side of things, cleaning minor wounds, but in the surgery side of things, I was just watching. Um, but that's what the green scrubs are. Um, we would have to put on scrubs and little, little booties and um, I had little hat things. And, and we had to double mask in the hospital, so COVID is still really serious. Um, down in Ecuador, so we double masked in the hospital and then anywhere else in the city you had to wear a mask um, with a $250 fine if you were caught without one. And so the only time we weren't wearing masks were in our homes and when we were eating. Um, and yeah. <laughs> um, so kind of a little about my time. So I was in the neonatal unit. We were actually placed in our different areas, so we didn't get to choose. Um, so I got pretty lucky being with all the adorable babies. Um, but it was just a great time. I was mostly hanging out with some of the medical students. So on the right, um, there's um, Dr. Valencia. She was what we would probably consider a resident. Um, their medical school system's a little bit different. So she was almost done, but um, she still had to get sign off from the doctor and things, but she pretty much knew what she was doing. Um, and she was one of the very first people that I met there. And she was so kind because I had absolutely no clue what I was doing. I had tried to prep like on the medical terminology ahead of time before going in, but I didn't know I was gonna be in the neonatal unit until I got there. And there's so much vocab that I had to learn very quickly. So I remember that first week, like each evening I would go home and be so exhausted because it was just such a big learning curve of trying to figure everything out. Um, and her and quite a few of the other uh, medical students there were so kind uh, as they were patient with me and helping me um, and showing me um, different things, and I would just kind of do whatever they told me to do. Um, I would go do paperwork, I would get the baby's weights, um, I would help as a baby was being delivered, like whatever they told me to do, I just did. Um, so it was a really great opportunity to really get to know um, a lot of the medical students um, and just help them, and also the babies with the, uh, and see the moms. Um, most of the babies I was working with either were born prematurely, there was complications in the pregnancy, um, the baby might have had an infection. Um, so we were dealing with more of the intensive um, to intermediate babies were most of the ones that we had in our area. Um, but it was just such a special time to like be there in these special moments with the families. Uh, one baby in particular I was actually able to present to the mom and dad um, after um, she was born. And the dad was so excited it was, I'll never forget that. It was just so adorable, it was so fun. Um, and just being able to see um, the excitement they had and be there with them. Um, on the left, there's another girl there, Julia. Um, she was also a Liberty student working there. So she was in the gynecology department. So she would kind of be with the moms all the way up until they were about to have babies. And most of the time, she would like still be there with the mom, being able to comfort them. And then I would come in right when the baby was about to be born. Um, but just kind of be able to work together with her and like talk back and forth uh, in the evenings and hear her opportunities to like comfort the moms. Uh, because of COVID, the dads weren't allowed in the delivery room at this time. So really they didn't have anyone there as they're um, going through this. So it's really sweet to just be able to like be there and realize how big of a difference your presence can make. So that was um, a lot of fun. We did um, one thing that's kind of, um, I guess we came up quite a bit is whenever you would kind of talk about Christ or church, um, the main religion in Ecuador is Roman Catholic, um, but a lot of people there kind of will say they're Catholic because their family was Catholic or they're not practicing, and especially our generation or around our generation, um, a lot of them aren't believers. So um, it was interesting that we were allowed in the government hospital because if you ever would kind of bring up God, like, the other medical students are like, oh, like, we don't talk about that here. Like, don't, like, that's not, like, 
that's not like you know cool that's not like really what how science goes like they just were very kind of close to it but to still be able to show them love by our actions and then when they're kind of asking like why are you here like why are you trying to figure all this out and like working all day you could still show them love through that and just being there with your presence um, was just a really great opportunity so now Allie's going to talk a little bit about her host family yeah so um, we were both um, placed in different host families um, we kind of wanted to be placed separately um, because we kind of wanted an experience on what it would be like to be alone um, many of you know like done everything together forever. Um, so we kind of wanted to, to um, you know, get some kind of ease into that idea because we may be going to different medical schools um, next year. So we wanted to have some, I guess, practice into that. Um, so this was my family. Um, so on the left was um, Javier. He was the boyfriend. Um, but he kind of took on the, um, I guess, man-guy role if needed, um, lifting heavy things and helping with the car um, because our um, the father had passed away a couple weeks before we um, had actually arrived. Um, next to him is um, Martina. Um, she was one of the sisters from uh, the host family, and she was my age, so she was 20. And then next to her is Karina, who is my mom, um, which I love and adore. She's amazing, and I still talk to her um, now, and I'm in the middle, and then the two girls next to me are Jada and Emily, and they were my two Liberty sisters, uh, so we were assigned to this family together, and we just grew really close over this time, um, and are really still sisters to this day. I still see them on campus, and then the last girl is um, Valentina, and um, she was the older sister. She's 25, and Javier is her boyfriend. Uh, so we just kind of spent life together. Um, these are just some pretty pictures um, of some of the excursions we were able to go on. Um, they just really kind of took us in, and we were, you know, part of the family. So anything that they did, we did. We went shopping together, um, ate food together. You know, anything that they did, we did with them, um, which was just really what we needed. You know, coming back from a long day of work, we needed that kind of stability um, that they offered. Um, you know, we got lots of ice cream, which I love the ice cream there. Um, we're able to go back downtown and really just kind of learn more about the culture and the customs that they have um, in Ecuador. Um, we got to experience a lot of the beautiful uh, creation that really God's created there. It's just really beautiful in Ecuador. Lots of beautiful lakes and mountains. Um, this is um, Kiotoa, which is actually about three hours away from Quito, but it's um, up on a mountain. It's a crater lake, um, so you, you park way up at the top, and then you have to hike down, which was not my favorite experience in the world because it wasn't, it was like sandy gravel, so you just kind of slid all the way down. Um, but then we got to kayak in the middle, which was just really calm and peaceful. Um, and a really chance to kind of like sit and you know thank God for like, wow God like I can't believe you've made something so beautiful here like I could have been anywhere in the world right now and we really had to like remind ourselves the whole trip like guys we're in South America right now like we are in South America right now um, because it was just it was so amazing um, and we also um, towards the end of our trip was actually July 4th um, and so my family um, threw us a July 4th party um, and we uh, had hamburgers and watermelon and played um, American music and it was a lot of fun to teach them like prom dances um, so we had a lot of fun with that. Okay so a little bit about my host family. Um, so starting from the left is my dad, Wilson, and then next to him is Julia, or Julia, as we always said. She's one of my Liberty sisters that was there. Then there's me, um, then there's Stephanie, or Steffi, as we always said. And then my mom, which we always called her Mama Jota, but her name was Janet, but I always said Mama Jota. Um, and they were just a really wonderful family. They have two sons, um, but both of their sons are already grown and out of the house. We were able to visit and see one of their sons quite frequently and his girlfriend and then her daughter 
Um, but then the other son um, lived farther away, so we weren't able to see him during the trip. But it was just really great to become part of the family. Like, they welcomed us in. They would call us um, daughters. It was really great to just have that support. Like, they would help us as we were trying to figure out how do you get a taxi to go to the hospital and just, like, how do you do day-to-day things in a country you're not familiar with. Um, so it was really great. One um, really cool piece of the culture there that I absolutely loved was their greetings. So um, whenever you're walking down the street, you're going to say, like, hello, good morning. Um, in Spanish, you always greet people. Um, whenever you walk into a room, you try to say hello to everyone and, like, really get to know people. Um, they had a very much of a people-oriented focus. Um, and I really loved that part about it. You would find, you would hear of, like, professors or even the doctors who would sometimes be late to things because they stopped in the hallway to talk to someone. Like, they weren't rushed in order to, like, get past. They placed importance on people first. And I absolutely love that. Like, it was very important in the culture for me to always say good morning and good night to my host family and to just, like, acknowledge um, kind of everything that they had given me. And so it was a really great experience that I hope I can bring back here, that intentionality of meeting people. Like, I think we even went to a church at one point um, towards the end of the trip because at first they were still closed and like everyone would just kind of be talking and meeting but it was important to really get to know like those in the room and acknowledge them um so that was a really cool cultural thing that I loved um well can you advance to the next slide um so here's a few more pictures that of just different places we went to as they were showing us the city um, La Ronda on the left um, is a popular street with a lot of food places. The food there was absolutely amazing. Um, so that was, it was fun to just kind of like see everything and try the cool foods and be a part of their culture, like really get to know um, the people there. Okay, there we go. Now it's working. Um, so another thing my mom was able to do is she taught us how to cook some of the food there. So um, on the left is Quimbolitos. Um, those were very popular. You would find them at different um, restaurants throughout. You can eat them either as a dessert or at the dinners, too. Um, they were delicious. And then um, on the right is me learning how to make tres leches cake, which was amazing. I made it a mission to find the best tres leches in Quito. So, like, I would visit all the different coffee shops to try to their tres leches because it was so good. Um, so that was, when she realized that, she was like, I'll just, like, teach you how to make it so you can still make it when you get back. Um, so that was really fun, just, like, to be able to live life with them and get to know them. Um, my family, like, their, my immediate family was Christian, but then um, their sons and the surrounding were not. Um, so also just to see my mom's testimony, as she would call them, and really invest into each of them was cool to see. Um, she was, like, the... She would just, like, talk to random people that she met about Jesus, and it was so cool to see her passion for it. Um, and also a great example as I was trying to figure out how to serve in Ecuador. Um, here's just some more pictures uh, of us exploring, and we were also um, her son and then the girlfriend and then um, her daughter were actually able to come to this excursion uh, with us too, and we were able to really talk with them. The daughter's two years um, or no, actually, she's 16, so she's a couple years younger than um, me, but we were able to really um, talk with her and invest in her, and I really have enjoyed that, and we've still kept in contact with her. So even though, um, and I know that she's not a Christian, so being able to still plant those seeds, become friends, um, and talk with her has been a great opportunity. Here's just more pictures. There's a volcano in the background, if you can't see, and it was cold. I had like three layers on that day. Um, but no, it was, it was a lot of fun to just explore Quito with my family. I did, so as we're exploring Quito and Ecuador, I figured I also, if I was exploring everyone else, um, I had to make a trip to the ER. So uh, there was one point in the trip where I ended up having to spend two nights um, at the ER. That wasn't my original plan, but it happened. <laughs> um, but on the right, you can see my mom um, gave me these like cute fuzzy slippers. Like, she just, like, always took care of me. It was so great. Um, and, like, my, they were so worried when it was all happening, which I ended up, it was fine. Um, they were able to take care of me. But also just to see at the very beginning of this trip, like, I was super nervous whenever I had to speak Spanish to anyone. Like, but I had to because we had 
the Spanish rule where you like you have to speak Spanish unless like during these certain times when you can call home. But the rest of the time, you're speaking Spanish. And if you don't know how to say it, you got to figure it out. So it was like so cool to see the transition of like me being pretty like I was just not confident in my Spanish to like at this point towards the end of the trip being able to talk with the nurses and doctors and like actually do like I don't know a life thing that was in another country in a language that I wasn't familiar with was like a pretty big accomplishment for me like I was so um, excited to be able to do that and just also encourage the nurses there while I was there um, so it was an interesting unexpected experience Okay, so now I want to take a couple minutes to discuss our jungle trip, um, which is really one of the big main, like, actual, like, um, when you think mission work is, like, construction work, this was the main trip um, for that. So about, um, about halfway through the trip, just about, we took five days and traveled down to the jungle. Um, so on the way there, we got to stop at a waterfall, um, which was just another chance to enjoy um, the Lord's creation um, and swim and just kind of relax after, you know, a pretty stressful couple weeks before that as we adjusted to a new um, culture. Um, we were staying at Misawai, is the name of the town, um, and in, we were right on the river. So it was really fun to get to swim and, uh, again, just enjoy the beauty that God's created, um, but around that, and the main purpose of the trip was to help at this school um, called Antioch Christian Academy. Uh, so they're a private um, academy that they were uh, founded to because the the public school in the area really isn't the greatest. So kids can come and they get a Christian education and they get a really um, well developed education. Um, they take a lot of um, learning programs from the states and other um, countries and bring it here that so they're taught like math in a different way than they're taught math in the public schools um, so we worked here we did construction work um, painting um, you can see me I was sanding before we could paint um, but we painted we sanded we I installed installation one day Christy um, did um, Spackling, I always forget that word, <laughs> especially because, like, I have the Spanish word for it as well. It gets confusing sometimes. Um, and then additionally, we helped do a basketball tournament um, to help bring in more students through a basketball program they're hoping to just start. Um, this house that I'm working on is the residence home. So they have a couple girls, about seven or eight each year, that it's just improbable for them to... Um, uh, it's inconvenient for them to go home every day because it's two or three hours hiking, boat, ride, and more just to get home. So instead, they stay at this residence home as sort of a boarding school program. Um, so they're still able to get this education. And then they go home um, on uh, every other weekend and on holidays. Um, so this is a really neat um, school. They have different... Um, ways for the parents to help them pay for the tuition. The parents can work um, similar to what we were doing to help pay. They can sell things. And there's also a sponsorship program where people here in the States or in, in other countries can sponsor a child monthly to help them go to school. Um, also, while we were there, um, we got to try um, chantacoros, which are grubs. Um, <laughs> which was kind of a, it was a fun experience, glad I did it. I'm okay to not do it again. Um, we each, we, we shared a stick, so we didn't each eat four. Um, but they, I mean, they, they tasted like bacon, but the, you think about it too much, it's, it's weird. Um, and then we also got to hold monkeys. Um, so one of the big, uh, it's kind of a touristy town, Masoai, because of the monkeys. They just kind of chill out in the town square, and you gotta be careful because they'll like steal your things. Um, so this lady was, um, had this little monkey that I think she'd kind of trained to go on people's shoulders. Um, so we got pictures. Um, so also I wanted to take a couple minutes to talk about leaving Ecuador. Um, we got to do some cool last minute things. Um, this is us leaving the hospital our last day. They did a, a really nice ceremony for us. 
um, gave us a little certificate saying that we completed our internship, which is really cool. Um, I'll really miss the time that we spent there and everything that we learned. Um, we also got to hike Pinchincha, which is um, one of the, the volcano mountains there. Um, that was um, a pretty humiliating experience for me, I would say. Um, you're so high already, altitude-wise, and then you're going even higher. You have to breathe a really certain way to hike, and I wasn't able to finish the hike. I was getting really anxious with not being able to breathe, and it was just not a good experience for me, so that was kind of not fun, but Christy made it. Um, <laughs> you can see her in, in the um, what, right picture. Um, that's her and her sister, uh, Julia. Um, up at the top, um, so they got rained on. If we look a little dead, that's because we kind of were. So like, because you get to the top and it's like literally, at this point, no plants are growing because it's so high up and it's freezing. Like it's actually sleeting on us. So I've got like four layers on and you're still like rock climbing up. So like there's nothing like below you and you're like, wow, like this is like, if I fall, like, okay. And so we get all the way to the top. I think in the end it was 14,507 feet on the sign, it's meters. So actually if you get above 15,000 feet, you're supposed to have like supplementary oxygen. So yeah, it was, it was pretty high. It's probably like the toughest hike I think I've ever done. But we did it, it was great. Um, and an experience I will never forget in Ecuador. Yeah. It was definitely a lesson for me on letting my body tell me what I can and can't do because it's one of those things that like, you can't control how much your body wants air. <laughs> so um, it was a learning experience. Um, this was our last night. Um, this was um, Christy and me and then Estefi and, and Julia. Um, we went out to a nice dinner. Um, we also had a chance um, on our last couple of days to debrief. Um, they gave us some, some lessons on what to expect as we returned. Um, reverse culture shock is very real, um, which was very helpful as I returned to kind of understand like, okay, I'm having these feelings and this is why and how to deal with them. <coughs> so now we wanted to take our last couple minutes and discuss um, what we learned, because I feel like it's, it's really important to really share, um, especially because I know many of you helped and prayed um, for us to go on this trip. Um, how God really spoke to us during this trip. So um, I'll go first. Um, so one of the main things I really learned was how to live on mission. Um, many of you have supported me to go on short-term mission trips through this church in the past. And that's very much like, okay, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna sweat and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take showers and, out, you know, and, and, sho and shower trailers and, and I'm not gonna get any sleep. And that's what mission is like. And that's not really the case. It's, it's living life on mission. It's making relationships. It's being intentional. You know, my, uh, the doctors that I worked with, being able to form relationships with them and, and talking with them and knowing that if they ever had any questions, that I'd be there to talk with them. My, my host family, um, our mom knew a lot about God. She knew all the facts. And I think she used to really believe in them, and, but now she's kind of struggling. And it's really hard, it was really hard for me to say whether or not she was a Christian. I think her husband passed, when her husband passed away really unexpectedly, that's really kind of shaken her in how she can trust God right now. So for me, my living on mission was just, how can I comfort her? How can I be as least of a bother as possible while I'm in her house? How can I speak life into her through my day-to-day -day life? Um, which was really kind of a change in expectations from what we, I kind of originally kind of thought mission to be like. Um, secondly, just kind of learning that God is enough, kind of as, oh, I guess stealing Brandon's thunder a little bit. Um, um, you know, Christy and I decided we wanted to be in different host homes, but that was a real challenge for me. Like, I'm definitely kind of the touchier one. I want to, like, be right here on her all the time. 
And so being al alone, but not alone at the same time, was really challenging for me because I felt like my other two sisters were a little bit closer with each other than I was. And I was alone in the hospital as well. I didn't have a partner with me. And so learning, like, I felt very alone, but I wasn't. You know, like, God was there with me through it all. And also, like, when Christy was in the hospital, I fell apart. Like, Christy was, like, chill. She was like, I'm fine. And I'm like, I'm not sleeping. <laughs> like, I need, I need to be there. Like, I kind of fought my way into the hospital. I was like, I have to be there with you. I have to see you with my eyes. So, um, but, like, really learning to, like, okay, God, like, I need to trust you through this. I can't be there with her all the time, like, because I just wasn't the best one there for her. She had another um, person with her that knew Spanish better than I did. So, like, it was better for her to be there with Christy and not me. And that was really hard for me to, like, trust in that moment. And then lastly, um, this trip really confirmed God's will for my life. Um, trying to decide whether I wanted to go to medical school was a really big concern um, over the spring semester. Um, I really was like, all of a sudden, like, wait, have, like, what do I want to do with my life again? Um, and this, like, being in the hospital really revamped that, that desire. I'm, like, totally pumped for medical school, and I know that that's God, that's where God wants me to be. And I am, like, not looking forward to senior year because I want to be in medical school now, <laughs> um, which is kind of fun, and it's really cool to see the way God's confirmed that in my life. Um, so just kind of a little bit about um, my time. Here, can you can advance the slide real quick? Thank you. Um, so one big thing for me was learning to be comfortable being uncomfortable and confused. Because, like, you're getting in there where I'm trying to speak a language that's not my first language. So there was many, many times where I was confused or uncomfortable because I didn't know what was happening. I mean, you go into a grocery store and you're trying to find sour cream, but it's not called sour cream. And so you have no clue where it is. But you also don't even know how to ask for where sour cream is. So it's just kind of this whole new, like, dynamic of the day-to-day -day things you used to really not have any issues doing. You're trying to, like, navigate and figure out. Um, just because things are unfamiliar. So learning to kind of be comfortable and okay with that was something um, I really had to learn. And that kind of led into kind of the second point of living like I need God every day, which sounds kind of weird because we all know, like, of course we need God every day. But how many of you have been praying in a grocery store because you can't find sour cream? <laughs> like, and you don't know even how to, like, ask for it, but you know your family wants it. So, like... Just like those small things, like getting a taxi, and you're like, I really, like, I don't know the city, so I really hope they're taking me to the right place, because if not, I have no clue what to do next. Like, just those, like, day-to-day -day things, like, as you're going through, you're, like, sending, constantly sending out these small prayers, like, please help me with this, because I have absolutely no clue what I'm doing. So, like, just kind of going through the day-to-day -day of, like, really, just realizing you needed God really kind of pushed me of, like, how can I bring that back here? of like constantly remembering like, yes, here it's my first language, I might be more comfortable, but how can I remind myself that like I still need God every single day? Um, so that was a really big kind of lesson and um, kind of shock. Cause they always say, you know, like pray like constantly. And I think during that trip, I really kind of found like what that meant, just like a running conversation of like every single thing I was doing kind of, it just came natural because I knew I needed it. Uh, so I've really been working to kind of bring that back. Uh, here, also kind of breaking down expectations of what living life on missions, kind of like Allie talked about. Those week-long trips are absolutely amazing. Growing up um, here and going on many of them changed my life, and really I don't think I would have been on the path I am now without those. But also kind of looking at this is a long-term one, so it looks a little bit different and kind of how does that work? How would it look like if you were a missionary in a place? Like learning a culture takes years. Like we had a few months and we were able to learn a ton and the culture in Ecuador is absolutely amazing. It's so vibrant, so welcoming, but there's still so much I would still have to learn. Um, so kind of what does living life on missions look like? And I really learned like it's the day-to-day -day things. Reaching out to people, calling them, 
like checking on how they're doing. It's an, and it's something that can be totally done here. I feel like we get this idea like, oh, you can only be a missionary, you can only do missions. Like if you're going overseas, you have to be a particular person. But I think we just try to overcomplicate it because we're scared to do it. Because it's really just living life intentionally and bringing Christ in and trying to show his love wherever you go. And another thing I had to kind of understand is you can still show Christ through your actions and your face. Because there was a few times where I was like struggling to say something in Spanish and I just had to accept, you know, God understands that I'm trying to show his love and he, like he's more powerful. He can work through that um, and trusting him through each of the seeds we leave. Because it's not unto us to save someone. It's not like we're trying to come up with a tally. Like we're there just to plant the seeds and show his love and the rest is up to him. And I think that was a really big thing of us being able to learn that um, and also being able to talk with some of the missionaries there was a great opportunity to see what their struggles were, um, the blessings were, and really just how it was as a whole of um, going into a new culture. So that was a really great um, opportunity for us to kind of learn. And I do think that showed me that while I don't know exactly where I'll be in the future, I do know I want to combine um, my medicine and also travel. And it really kind of showed me, can I handle transitioning into a new culture that I'm unfamiliar with? And some days were hard, but I do think God showed me that I can because I absolutely loved Ecuador. I would love to go back. I love the people um, and just the whole atmosphere of it. And so I really think God's placed that on my heart. And then we'll see after um, we get through medical school exactly where I'm able to go, whether that is um, short-term ones for a couple months or maybe long-term. We'll find out. But um, it was just a really amazing trip. And um, we really, can you please advance the next slide? Sorry, this isn't working. Thank you. But we really wanted to thank everyone um, for just all your prayer and support. It really meant so much. Like to just hear, like whenever we were able to talk a few times back home, um, to hear from our parents and from um, Nana, how everyone was praying and supporting us, it really made such a big difference. Especially on the days when like, I was like, I just totally botched that entire Spanish conversation. And I'm like, so I was just struggling as like you're transitioning in and learning this new culture. It was so great to know that I had people back here praying and that were here to support me. Um, and so it really made a difference. So I really wanted to thank um, all of you for that. Um, and if you have any more questions, it's hard to fit two months in like a short PowerPoint slide. Like cause there's a lot of different details. Feel free to like, reach out to us. We'd, I would love to talk about it. I could talk for hours. Um, first service people know we can talk. So like shoot us an email, catch us after service. Like yes. if you have any questions about anything, we'd love to share with you guys. Yeah. So about our trip, but yeah. um, just thank you so much for everything. And then we'll pass it off to Brendan. Good morning. My name is Brendan Newton, and I am 16 years old. If I make any mistakes, just blame it on my age. Simple as that. Anyway, to tell you a little bit more about myself, I came to Christ, I came to know Christ as my Savior when I was very young, around five years old. I've been attending church since I was born. It wasn't until October 28, 2019, that I truly understood what it meant to be a Christian. I wrote down this simple phrase, I devote my life to you, God. You are all I need. 
I'm a senior in high school now, and after high school, I want to go to seminary to become a pastor. So this is hopefully the first of many sermons I will give in the future. To start, let's open up in prayer, and then we can get into the scripture. God, thank you for this day, and thank you that we can all meet here, and thank you for the people that came here today. And please just help us to learn more about you today and just open our hearts and just accept what you have for us today. And just help us to want to love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. This sermon is titled, God is All I Need. You might be nodding your head in agreement, or you may be like me and say, but what about food? What about water? What about money? I need those things too, right? If you're wondering those, so, those same things today, I would encourage you to listen very carefully to my sermon today. Although not too careful, because it's my first time preaching. So. <laughs> so, God is all you need. I don't even have that much of an explanation as to why, because the scripture speaks for itself. I'm simply going to read scripture and point things out. God is all you need. What a bold statement. I want to give you a little bit of Pastor Bruce, so let's stand together and read <laughs> Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flower flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You may be seated. Isn't this passage amazing? In the first line, Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. In verse 26, Jesus tells us to look at the birds. Look at what they do. If God provides for the birds, then he can provide for us. For Jesus says we are more valuable. I realize most of the time this passage is preached on to teach about worry, and that is true. But that's not what I see when I... That's not what I see when I read this passage. I see God's provision. Look at verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Jesus says, do not worry. So do not worry. God will provide. What do we do then to be given this freedom from worry? How do we not worry? Jesus says in verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek his kingdom first. God will provide everything if we seek him first. You may be like me and now thinking, but that's just one passage. That's not enough to claim God is all I need. I better find it in the Old and New Testament. You know what? I did. Psalms 46 says this. 
God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We see here that God will protect us. He's our refuge. He is our strength. God is all we need. Let's read Matthew 10, 28 through 31. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Look at verse 29. It says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. You are worth more than many sparrows. God will take care of you. I was doing the math, and this took many seconds of calculating, and I'm pretty sure if God takes care of one sparrow, and we are worth more than many sparrows, the answer is simple, God is all we need. While we are in Matthew, let's read Matthew 11:28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God will give us rest. What do we have to do to receive that rest? Jesus says, come to me. Psalm 55:22 says, Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Cast your cares on the Lord, and you will not be shaken. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9. This is a good verse right here. It says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. There are struggles in life. Life is hard. But with God, we are not crushed, not in despair, not abandoned, and not destroyed. Psalms 34, 4 reads, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. All my fears. How was David delivered from his fears? He sought the Lord. Last verse, and then we will move on. Let's read Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. All your needs. There it is, clear as day. All your needs. Now do you see God is all you need? God will provide for us. He will protect us. Give us rest and will not abandon us. God is all I need. Now the question is, how do we receive this provision? What are we to do if we don't need to worry about food, shelter, clothing, etc.? Well, I can tell you. Follow God. Trust God. Seek first His kingdom. But don't take it from me. Take it from the Bible. 
I believe the Bible is the inerrant word of God, meaning I believe everything in the Bible is true. Crazy, right? But you know what? Everything in the Bible is true. And because of this, I look to the word of God for answers. It says God is all we need, but it also tells us how to receive this provision. Now, I'm going to be reading a few verses here, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write down the references because I'm going to be moving pretty quickly through these verses. So if you just get the references down, then you can look them up later. This first one is Proverbs 16.4, so write that down. So let's look at Proverbs 16.4. It reads, The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. We see here everything has a purpose. Now we're going to look at seven passages that show what that purpose is. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are created to do good works. 1 Corinthians 10.31 So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do everything for the glory of God. Matthew 10.38-39 Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Whoever loses their life for Christ will actually find it. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Do not give up on doing good. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. My commentary says this about this verse. As a Christian is transformed in his mind and is made more like Christ, he comes to approve and desire God's will, not his own will for his life. Then he discovers that God's will is what is good for him and that it pleases God and is complete in every way. It is all he needs. But only by being renewed spiritually can a believer ascertain, do, and enjoy the will of God. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Make disciples and teach and obey what God has commanded. And last verse, Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Just to sum up, we are created to do good works. Do everything for the glory of God. Whoever loses their life for Christ will actually find it. Do not give up on doing good. Make disciples and teach and obey what God has commanded. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. There you have it. You know what to do. Now go. <laughs> oh, but first, go eat lunch. Oh, but then you have that thing later today. And I know you're feeling pretty tired, so how about you start tomorrow? Oh, you're busy tomorrow and the next day. And, oh, your whole week is full. Can you relate to that? I know I can. Make room for God. 
God has called you to follow him. What are you doing? Make God a priority. Life is all about God, not about you, about God. God is all I need. John 14, 6 says this. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus died on the cross to save you, and he made a way so that we can receive eternal life. And you know what? If we follow him, he will provide everything. That's the hardest part, following God. Because we convince ourselves that we will do it in an hour or a day or next week. But following God starts now. Let us pray. God, please help us to follow you and love you and just want to know more about you. Please, as we just go about our day today, just to remember that it's all about you. The day is not about us, it's about you. And please, just protect us and love us and help us to love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let everyone stand, please.